This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. November 20th, 1945. In an oak-paneled courtroom, 21 men sit and listen, or in some cases, don't listen, as a list of charges against them is read. The recitation takes five hours. The indictment is 24,000 words long. This courtroom is in the Palace of Justice, surrounded by ruins in the Bavarian city of Nuremberg. The men are former leaders of the Nazi party. Once in command of a country that had conquered much of Europe and engaged the world in six years of war, they now sat meekly, stripped not only of their gaudy military trappings, but also of their famous arrogance. It was the first day of the Nuremberg Trials, an international military tribune convened to consider criminal charges under international and military law. The judges and prosecutors were American, British, French, and Soviet. The defendants were accused of war crimes, initiating and waging wars of aggression, and crimes against peace and humanity. It was the first and most famous of many trials in a process that would last for the rest of the decade. This one would take the better part of a year, and it was no coincidence that this was all happening in Nuremberg. The city had once been the Nazis' favorite showcase. The party considered Nuremberg its birthplace, and Adolf Hitler's giant annual propaganda rally was held there every year from 1923 to 1938. Some of the most prominent Nazis were absent. Hitler was dead. So were two of his former top men, propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels and SS leader Heinrich Himmler. Holocaust architect Adolf Eichmann had disappeared. He'd be found years later in Argentina. The men in the dock paid attention to varying degrees as the charges were read. Julius Streicher, who published the anti-Semitic newspaper Der Stürmer, didn't wear the headphones that provided the German translation until he heard the name Hermann Goering, Hitler's number two man. He created the Gestapo and commanded the Luftwaffe, the Nazi Air Force. At that point, Stryker put the headphones on and listened intently to the charges against Goering. He craned his neck to sneer at him. Goering, dressed in an Air Force uniform but with no military insignia, ignored him, also listening intently to the charges. The report from the courtroom said that Goering's calm demeanor was a tribute to American doctors. They'd found him to be a quivering drug addict who cringed in terror during a mild interrogation after his capture in early May. The doctors got Gehring off the morphine he'd been addicted to since 1923. That's when he'd been shot during the beer hall putsch. He lost 60 pounds in the six months between his capture and trial, down to a still robust 220. Gehring, like the others, remained impassive as the charges were read. His only reaction came when he was accused of being a general in the SS. He shook his head no. Two of the Nazis fell ill on the first day of the trial. Rudolf Hess had abdominal cramps, and Joachim von Ribbentrop collapsed. Hess stayed in the courtroom. Von Ribbentrop returned the next day. It was unclear if Hess would stand trial, as British and American doctors had determined that he was suffering from amnesia and unable to present a defense. In the end, 22 men stood trial, one of them in absentia, Martin Bormann had been Hitler's private secretary. 
The Allies didn't know it, but he'd died trying to flee Berlin in the closing days of the war six months before. Nineteen of the defendants were found guilty of one or more crimes. Twelve of them were sentenced to death by hanging, including Bormann. One of the condemned, Goering, committed suicide on the night before the scheduled executions. The rest were hanged on October 16, 1946. The remaining seven were sent to Spandau Prison in West Berlin. By 1966, they'd all served their full sentences or been released due to ill health, except one, Rudolf Hess, Hitler's former deputy Fuhrer. He'd flown to Scotland in 1941 to try to negotiate peace with the British, and he'd been taken prisoner there. From 1966 until he committed suicide in 1987, Hess was the only prisoner at Spandau Prison. When he died, the prison was demolished so that it wouldn't become a Nazi shrine. Every physical vestige of the prison was destroyed except a single set of keys, which went to a museum. The Nuremberg trials were a milestone in the establishment of the concept of international law, and they had a major influence on later trials for international atrocities. They were a model for the world court in The Hague. And they also represented the first courtroom use of the word genocide which had been coined by a Polish lawyer named Raphael Lemkin in 1944. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century. 